Ladies and gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas Oddsmaker! And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence! Welcome back, everybody. Happy Halloween to you and yours. This is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're set to go against the spread on this, the final week of October, the first week in November for the National Football League games with a lot of action on tap this weekend. Victor, quite a week it was last week in the world of college and pro football and a nice-looking football card on tap this week coming up. Absolutely, and it appears these days in college football, Mark, that we're basically seeing a coach being fired or resigning at least once a week. And this past weekend, we're talking about three different additional coaching changes. Of course, another coaching change down here in South Florida with Al Golden from Miami being fired on Sunday off the heels of that horrific home loss against Clemson. Uh, A little surprising that he was fired on an NFL Sunday the day after uh, particularly after receiving that uh, you know dreaded approval vote from the staff, but Al Golden is gone, and hopefully for the uh, Hurricanes, the interim change will help them like it's helped the Miami Dolphins in the NFL. Also, you know, in the state of Florida, Central Florida is going through just a, a, a horrific season, and George O'Leary resigned over the weekend as well. And as we, um, of course, record the podcast here, Mark, on Wednesday morning, another surprising coach has stepped down again and resigned in midseason, which is kind of rare in college football for that to occur. I know it uh, occurred there in South Carolina with Steve Spurrier, but uh, Jerry Kill, one of our favorite coaches in the Big Ten Conference, uh, stepped down for Minnesota Of course, he's had his uh, health problems and his issues with epileptic seizures over the past, but that makes uh, eight college football uh, programs that are going to be looking for a coach. And, of course, Jerry Kill retires immediately. Tracy Clays will be taking over on an interim basis, defensive coordinator. But that's kind of sad to see, too, in the Big Ten Conference. It sure is. Uh, It's kind of also strange to say, Victor, to find this many firings or resignations before season's end. Usually uh, one or two happen throughout the course of a season. We're seeing them in handfuls here right now. And I can maybe perhaps relate a little bit to the Jerry Kill situation, just given the fact that he has had medical problems, the seizure issues. And I'm sure a lot of this reasoning for him stepping down is that and family related. And I'll also mention this, that uh, that Minnesota coaching staff is the longest tenured in all of college football. And I look for this to be more of a win one for the Gipper type drive for Minnesota moving out with this particular resignation, as opposed to the firings or the res- uh, the firings of uh, you mentioned Al Golden, the resignations of George O'Leary and those types. Uh, but I still don't think we're finished with all this either. Here, I mean, right. you've got other coaches that are sitting on the hot seat. Uh, you know, Daryl Hazel at uh, Purdue. I mean, he obviously looks like he's all but uh, packed his bags and ready to go. But you know, the question remains whether or not it happens now 
or by season's end. And uh, from a handicapping perspective, it also adds a little bit of uh, mystery into the puzzle, if you will, to find out how these teams will adapt to interim coaches as opposed to the head coaches, getting a gauge on whether or not the head coach was not liked in, uh, by the players and the interim coach is a, is a blessing in disguise. Or does it work in reverse, that the head coach was well-liked and the interim steps in and the players are despondent about it. We don't, I, I kind of get the feeling down here in Miami, Victor, uh, the little bit that I read that the players really liked Al Golden. I think he was a player's coach and uh, you know he did everything he could uh, to win them over. And I think he did just that. And the problem here with Miami is that uh, it came, occurred at a recruiting level where he ended up getting right. the, th- the three-star recruits rather than the fours and the fives. He lost those to Florida and Florida State. And, mm-hmm. you know, that, he, that eventually shows out in the performance record of the teams, and it caught up and bit Al Golden here. So uh, interesting takes. We'll find out exactly how this all shakes out in the world of college football with these coaching changes. And we've also got uh, the top 25 college football teams to look at here this particular week. It's all on the onset of what will be starting next week uh, when they'll be revealing the, uh, is it the coaches who vote for the polls, Victor, for the playoffs? I think that starts next week. Right, the college football playoff rankings will be released uh, Tuesday, November the 3rd. Uh, that'll be an interesting topic in itself to be discussing. As of right now, we have uh, two teams that were eliminated from the AP Top 25 based on losses last week. That would be Texas A&M and California. And back in the Top 25, two teams who were there earlier this season who have uh, rebounded after a couple of losses, and that would be the UCLA Bruins and uh, Mississippi State in the SEC Conference. We're down to 12 unbeaten teams. It's not uh, surprising to see three from the Big Ten. It's really not surprising at this point of the season seeing three from the Big 12 Conference, uh, although as far as Baylor is concerned, we're going to see what happens to Baylor with uh, Seth Russell, their quarterback, out for the year and a true redshirt freshman starting a quarterback for the rest of the season. Uh, other unbeaten teams, just one left in the SEC. That would be LSU. One in the ACC, one in the MAC conference. The surprising thing out of the whole bunch, and we've touched on it in each, each of the last two weeks, is three undefeated teams from the American Athletic Conference. Uh, that's the surprising thing. It sure is. Between uh, Toledo out of the MAC and those three AAC teams, uh, they're shaking the, things up a bit in yep. these college fo- football polls. And uh, it'll be interesting to see. We'll talk about it next week once the coaches have their say in who's positioning themselves in this race for the college football playoffs. And just a quick note, Victor, before we move over to the National Football League side of things, you mentioned Seth Russell for Baylor. And uh, that's a really a huge blow for that football team because I felt uh Baylor was the team to beat here. They, I think they've been the most impressive of all the college football teams. And uh, in fact, on a personal side note, I also played Seth Russell to win the Heisman Trophy this year. And, uh, you know, while he wasn't in the top four or three or four, he was inching his way up if for no other reason, given the fact of what Baylor was doing. And uh, it's it's kind of tough for me to have that ticket ripped out of my pocket, if you will, because, you know, I felt, you know, by season's end, I think he would have been in New York at least for the presentations. And But, but more importantly, we'll see what happens with the Baylor Bears as they move forward here. Uh one question I got to ask you, Victor, is in doing these polls, uh, and I participated at the uh, at the CFB Analytics Top Twenty Five polls over at CFBMatrix.com, and the question is: is where do you slot Baylor? Do you slot Baylor if you had them number one all season long, like I've had? Do you keep them at number one until they until they prove they can't uh, retain that position, or do you take them down in anticipation of the fact that Seth Russell's gone? How would you vote that way, Victor? 
That that is the the, the dilemma. I would, uh, if it were me, I would keep them in the position that they've been in, and uh, let's see what happens uh, with the redshirt freshman at quarterback. But I would, uh, I don't think I would move them down. Uh, the events on the field have to transpire before I would consider doing that. It's exactly the position I took this week. I still slotted them number one, and I know this backup quarterback, you know, while he's a redshirt freshman, uh, he's completed 24 out of 28 passes this year. So he kind of is this plug-and-play thing that fits into the system with our Bryles at Baylor here. Just, a, you know, Bryce Petty, doesn't matter what the quarterback is, they just put him into the uh, into the system as long as he's a rec- highly recruited athlete, and I think they step up and they deliver the goods. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. Let's move over now to the National Football League side of things, Victor. And as we're heading into close to the second half of the National Football League uh, side of things, we find we've got now five undefeated football teams that are 6-0 and or better on the NFL side of things this year. I think that's a record high. I did a column for the USA Today Sports Weekly this week, and the column was all about just that, undefeated teams at this stage of the season in the National Football League. And uh, Kyle, 91% of the teams in the National Football League since 1990 who have started the season 6-0 and or better have made the playoffs. There's only been 11 teams that started at 6-0 and or better that failed to make the playoffs. And uh, you're looking at uh, the likes of the five undefeated now, Carolina, Cincinnati, Denver, Green Bay, and New England. I'm going to ask this question of you, Victor. Of those five teams, if any one of them were a candidate not to make the playoffs, which one would you make the candidate? Uh, I would think uh, if you put a gun to my head, Mark, I would put Denver because they've struggled on offense uh, this season. Very, very good defense in Denver, but I don't know if they can uh, win any, any type of a playoff shootout. Yeah, well, from a playoff positioning, if they got there, I think they'd be the l- most likely to maybe bow out in that way. But I would, my guess, if I had to cast my vote, might be to the Carolina Panthers. And it's largely because that if Denver at 6-0 and has got a three-game lead over uh, Oakland in their West division, then they're going to probably win the division by default if for no other reason, just because they have a lengthy lead. But you look at that race in the South and the NFC South between Carolina and Atlanta, there's only a half a game separating the Panthers and the Falcons. And it's not that I think the Falcons at six and one are deserving to be in the playoffs or even win that particular division. But it's just the fact that they are lurking. If you will, they're only a half a game behind Carolina and the Panthers do have uh, a pretty good football test on Monday night when they play host to the Indianapolis Colts this Monday. I know they're feeling awfully good about themselves, are the Carolina Panthers, but they're going to take on a very dangerous Indianapolis Colts football team that is not playing good football here right now. And uh, you know, the main asset they have, obviously, is Andrew Luck as their quarterback. And maybe sometimes the teams can turn their fortunes on the fate of being in prime time games. When you're under the Monday night or Sunday night lights, it kind of helps a football team to step up a little bit. So we'll see whether or not they can deliver the goods that way. And Victor, overall, how did things shake out in national football league side of things, either last week or on on an overall perspective, either from favorites, dogs or over under totals that you've seen. Uh, There are two teams in the same division that, for me, are two of the more shocking over-under teams on the season. The division's the AFC North. Seeing the Cleveland Browns as the best over team in the NFL this year uh, is quite surprising. This was a team that's supposed to have one of the best offenses in the AFC and, quite frankly, a pretty dysfunctional offense. And here they are at 6-1 and one over-under. 
the number one over team. Also kind of surprising to see the Pittsburgh Steelers at the exact reverse. One and six over under on the season. Now, I realize that we're talking about a four-week period where they weren't playing with a full deck with Ben Roethlisberger out, and uh, I believe he'll be playing this week, and perhaps we'll discuss their game against Cincinnati a little bit later on. But Pittsburgh was supposed to have a pretty weak defense, particularly their pass defense, and yet they've gone under the total in six out of seven games this season. The results from last week, seven overs and seven unders overall in the NFL for the season now, we're at 54, 50, and 1. That's 54 overs, 50 unders, and one tie on the season. And I mentioned it in this week's totals tip sheet. In terms of NFL over-unders, if, if this were a Superman comic book, I would say that we're definitely in a bizarro world. <laughs> up, is do- up is down, right is left, overs are now unders. What used to be so strong in the last few seasons have completely gone in the other direction. Uh, As an example, NFL division games, historically NFL division games, games within the same division are usually pretty good under plays. But on the year, NFL division games have gone 21 and 11 overall. 66% of all division games have gone over the total. I also speak about uh, non-conference games, the AFC versus NFC games. If you remember two seasons ago, these games went over the total at a 75% rate, and that was for a full four-month NFL regular season. It's gone basically completely the opposite this season. Non-conference games are now 9, 19, and 1 over under. All four of the non-conference games this last weekend went under the total. So with all these uh, bizarro results happening in the NFL in terms of over-unders. It actually makes me feel even better that we've had a good year in the totals tip sheet. Another winning week last week, 2-1 and one overall, 14-7 and seven ATS on the season. We do have the current issue available uh, at play, uh, uh, playbook.com, Mark. And the last week, uh, it was an over-easy with the Bills-Jaguars combining for 65 points over there in London town. A lot of the Sharps drove that line down to 41 points, but uh, we stuck to our guns and went over that total in that particular game, and they combined for 65 points. Yeah, it was a little bit of a, a surprise to find that many points being scored in London, as you mentioned, Victor. A little bit of a bizarre uh, findings in the uh, NFL totals thus far this football season. And after the rocky week that I had last week, I had a, a poor losing effort last week on our late phone football service. I was accused of not playing with a full deck myself as well. But you know, the truth be known that, you know, you don't win every battle. All you need to do is win the war. And we've all gone through this before where, you know, we've had maybe a bad or a rocky week. And uh, uh, all that makes me do is to roll up my sleeves and go into it a lot more harder, a lot longer. I find myself uh, putting many, many more hours into the card after a losing week. In fact, uh, my my beautiful wife, Colleen, said to me uh, Sunday night as as she went to bed, she went to bed about 11 and it was about four in the morning. I was still up working on the card and she says, are you ever coming to bed? And I just caught myself and I was saying to myself, you know, it is four o'clock in the morning. I probably better get off the bed and catch some rest here. But that's what you do. You find yourself digging deeper when you find 
things not going your way. And uh, although it's have gone our way most of the football season this year, we've had a great football season overall. We just can't accept rough weeks like we had last week, and it makes us dig a little bit deeper and become that much better as handicappers. And that's, I think, the one thing that I've learned most of all of almost 40 years of being in this business is doing just that, is uh, making yourself apply yourself a little bit harder, asking yourself what went wrong in, in the last week's effort and finding out what mistakes you made and what you can do to improve that. So that being said, that little bit of a commentary being said, uh, I'm looking forward to this week's college and pro football cards. As Victor, I know you are on the National Football League side of things with your totals as well. Absolutely. Uh, and since uh, you're talking about it, uh, rough week for us in the NFL in terms of our King Creole game day plays. Yes, it was a winning week in the totals tip sheet, and perhaps we should have just stuck to those particular plays. But uh, on our game day service, we went over the total in all three of the primetime games, and all three of those games went under the total. It was the second week this season in which all three of the televised games, the nationally televised nighttime games, went under the total. And I bet the sports books in Las Vegas are definitely loving that fact, given the tendency for a lot of us to play those primetime games over the total. Uh, a couple of those were what I consider – Close to bad beats. Uh, there were times in the Philadelphia-Carolina game where that game could have very easily went over the total and didn't. If you watched the Monday night game, you saw Joe Flacco drive the Baltimore Ravens all the way down to the two-yard line and throw a pick in the end zone on the last freaking play of the game <laughs> to, pre to prevent that game from going over the total as well. I think the baddest beat for me was our five-star play. Uh, I had a five-star uh, game of the month on the Colts over the total in their game against the Saints. And you probably watched that game as well. Another game, 27-21 to 21 was the final score. We came up four points too short. But as correctly forecast in our write-up, the game had more combined total offensive yards than any game this weekend in the NFL at 845. Andrew Luck didn't look particularly great in that game. We had our shots at an over there, Mark, but both quarterbacks threw a costly interception in the red zone when they were about to get a TD. So uh, a frustrating week overall for our game day plays as well. And one thing I've learned from you is that, yeah, you do learn a lot more. You work a lot harder off a losing week than you do a winning week. So it's, uh, it's uh, definitely uh, back to the classroom and back to a couple more late nights, like you say. Well, that's the being the case, and we're looking forward, like I say, once again to this weekend because I think all in all this looks to be a pretty attractive card on both the college and NFL side of things. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. Don't you go away. When Victor and I come back, we're going to tear down our college football game of the week. We've got a dandy inside the Southeast Conference. That and a whole lot more to come here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Sports fans, it's time to get in on all the football action at mybookie.ag. This industry-leading website is renowned for having the best odds and more betting options than any other sports book online. This is why Mark Lawrence only endorses mybookie.ag. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or go online to mybookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Get the odds you want and the fast payouts you need guaranteed. 
That's mybookie.a as in Apple and G as in games. Tell them Mark Lawrence sent you. Only the biggest. Only the best. Only at mybookie.ag. Sign up today. Attention all serious football fans. If you follow the best football newsletters in the nation, now you can get them all at the all-new Playbook Newsletter Superstore. One visit allows you to download the best publications in the nation, including The Gold Sheet, Victor King's NFL Totals Tip Sheet, PointWise, Sports Reporter, The Playbook, Power Sweep, The Logical Approach, The Green Sheet, and The Gridiron Gold Sheet. Check it out now at PlaybookSuperstore.com or download your weekly newsletters on the all-new Playbook Cube. That's every major football newsletter on the market today. Now available at PlaybookSuperstore.com. Welcome back, everybody. Mark Lawrence along with Victor King. We're going against the spread on this week's college and pro football cards, and it's time for our college football game of the week as we journey into the Southeast Conference for the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. They no longer call it that officially, but we still do as college football fans. That takes place when Florida takes on Georgia in our college football game of the week. Victor, how do you see the Gators and the Bulldogs faring from an over-under perspective in this contest? You know, we, we love this game here in the Sunshine States. Tailgating is almost uh, an, an event of its own. In the South, it's almost as important as the game itself. Uh, depending on where you are, it could actually become pretty easy to forget that there's actually a game being played as well. So they don't officially call it that, but it, it still definitely is the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. And, you know, every year the city of Jacksonville is painted red and black and blue and orange as the fans of the Gators and the Bulldogs basically converge for a week-long festival. It's basically tailgating on steroids. But that's pretty much where the pleasantries end. It usually is some sort of a uh, physical, smash-mouth, hard-hitting type game. I don't think it's going to resemble any sort of a high-octane offensive showcase that you might get in a Big 12 game, perhaps. But in terms of the over-under line in this game, it opened at 47.5. The first initial push or oomph was in a downward direction. It's come down a point and a half to 46 currently. And that's where I made my small play, uh, interesting enough play on the under between these two particular teams. The series has gone one and three over-under in the last four meetings. That's one over and three unders. Average line in the series has been 46 and Coincidentally, that's exactly where the line is right now as we speak, 46. And the average combined points between these two teams, 42.8. On the season, Florida comes in 4-3 and over-under. Average line, 49. Average score, 48.9. Georgia, the opposite, 3-4 and over-under for the Bulldogs on the season with an average over-under line of 55.9 and an average combined score of 52.3. Of course, Georgia finally rebounded in their last game with a 9-6 win over Missouri. It wasn't an ATS win. In fact, they are on a current four-game ATS losing streak, the Bulldogs are, a losing streak in which it's been pretty low scoring. They've gone 1-3 and three over under during that four-game ATS losing streak. The strengths for both teams here in the SEC, it's not surprising, are definitely on defense. Georgia is your overall number 15 defense on the season, allowing only 308 yards per game. And number 27 scoring defense, allowing less than 20 points per game this season at 19.4. Uh, 
Uh, and Florida is right in step with the Bulldogs. The Gators are the number 18 defense on the season overall in college football, allowing only, what, 314 yards per game. They're the number 19 scoring defense, allowing 17.3 points per game. So we're definitely talking about uh, defensive strength in terms of both teams. Not so much on offense. Georgia, number 45 offense on the season. Florida, number 86 offense on the season, averaging 376 yards per game. In terms of uh, pertinent team trends, Georgia, their last five games against winning opponents, opponents with a winning percentage of greater than 500, have gone a perfect 0-5 over under. They've also gone 0-4 to the under after allowing less than 275 yards in their previous game. That was the case as they held down the Missouri Tigers in that 9-6 recent win. For the Gators, 1-6 over under after rushing for less than 100 yards. 0-5 after allowing greater than 200 rush yards. They indeed did that in that 35-28 loss to LSU when they played two weeks ago. Uh, we're going to lean under. We're going to follow the line move, Mark. I'm not going to uh, uh, make it a huge play, but a, definitely a lean on the under. And uh, one thing about betting unders and then watching the game on TV, we've talked about it in the past. It's a very, very tough thing to do from a, a human nature standpoint to bet a game under the total, watch three hours of the game, and basically root for nothing to happen. So uh, I think a couple of... <laughs> A couple of cocktails will probably be in order as we're watching the game, but we'll lean toward a lower scoring than anticipated outcome when the Gators take on the Georgia Bulldogs. Victor joins the world's largest outdoor cocktail party as a member this week when he leans under the total in this football game, a matchup between two key Southeast Conference East Division opponents for the Florida Gators under first-year head coach Jim McElwain. He's done a terrific job with this program here, coming in, doing a nice job, especially defensively for this football program. They've held four opponents to season-low yards this year. That's really speaking well for that Florida defense, looking like the Florida defense of old. They've been favored only one time in the last four years inside this series. That was back in 2012. The Gators were six-and-a-half-point favorites when they lost the game 38-20. to and speaking about defense and lows here, the Georgia Bulldogs have held two opponents to season low yard marks on the defensive side of things this year. Mark Rick comes in with an excellent record as an underdog uh, when he's off three consecutive point spread losses in a row as he is coming into this game. He's 5-1 and one to the spread in his career. He, when he plays with rest as an underdog, the four times it's happened, he's 3-1 and one straight up and against the spread. I think what works or, works or factors most into this football game is not only the bubble burst against Florida, who had their perfect season ruined in their last football game, that loss against LSU, and the fact that they're 1-5 in games after LSU. That's also outlined as our awesome angle in this week's Playbook Football Newsletter. If you want to find out exactly what I'm talking about, this 15-2 awesome angle bubble burst, check out the Playbook Football Newsletter for the awesome angle of the week this week. I think the incentive here for the Georgia Bulldogs more than anything is the fact that with two losses in the Southeast Conference East Division and Florida leading the Southeast Conference East Division with one loss, a victory by the Georgia Bulldogs puts them into the driver's pole position here to win the Southeast Conference East. And they were indeed the choice to do just that at the beginning of the football season. Georgia was the favorite to win the Southeast Conference East. They can still claim the crown with the win here. And by winning out, they can control their own destiny. I'm going to take the points with the Georgia Bulldogs in this key Southeast Conference battle this Saturday. 
You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. Don't you go away. When Victor and I come back, we're going to tear down our National Football League game of the week, a dandy inside the AFC conference. We'll hop out to Las Vegas and check out the Vegas vibe from our good friend Andy Isco. That and a whole lot more to come here on Mark Lawrence against the spread. There is only one football newsletter on the market today, documented number one win percentage, and it's the Playbook Football Newsletter. Playbook has the top win percentage of all football newsletters in the nation, according to the Phil Steele Power Sweep Newsletter Contest. Only Playbook has best bets, wise guys contest picks, awesome angles, and incredible stats, plus complete analysis write-up on every college and NFL game along with Victor King's NFL over-under trends and Mark Lawrence's weekly Bet You Didn't Know column as seen in the USA Today Sports Weekly. Get your weekly Playbook football newsletter online at playbook.com and get every edge imaginable this football season. That's the weekly Playbook football newsletter, available now at playbook.com. Hey, sports fans. Football season is here, and it's time to get in on the action. MyBookie.ag is an industry-leading website that offers odds and action on your favorite games. Take advantage of the MyBookie specials before they're gone. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or visit us online at MyBookie.ag to open an account. Pull out your smartphone to sign up with our user-friendly mobile site for on-the-go action. What are you waiting for? Come join mybookie.ag today. Call toll-free at 844-900-2387 or go online to mybookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Only the biggest, only the best, only at mybookie.ag. Sign up today. Welcome back, everybody. This is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King. We're going against the spread. On this week's college and pro football cards, the final week in October, the first week in November for the National Football League games. And it's time for our NFL Game of the Week. We're going to hop inside the AFC North Division when the undefeated Cincinnati Bengals journey to Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers in a key contest inside this division. Victor, your take on the Bengals and the Steelers this Sunday. This should definitely be a fun game to watch, Mark. Before I get into it, give me about a minute here to talk about the London game, if I could. Detroit Lions, Kansas City Chiefs, and of course, if you had anything to add, uh, by all means, you know, feel free to throw your two cents in worth. Uh, big red flag game, right? and I say red flag game because the last time an NFL team went to London to play, just a couple of weeks ago, one of the coaches came back and he didn't have a job. And that was Joe Philbin of the Miami Dolphins. It's worked out well for the Dolphins in the interim. Uh, uh, Campbell has done a fantastic job, and the Dolphins have looked like one of the AFC powerhouses in those two weeks since. But Jim Caldwell, you know, we talked earlier in the show about college football hot seats. Yeah, Jim Caldwell is on the hot seat for the Detroit Lions as well. Uh, We already know that on Monday of this week, he made some sweeping changes to his offensive staff. He fired offensive coordinator Joe Lombardi, uh, fired two offensive line coaches as well. Uh, Quarterbacks coach Jim Bob Cooter 
One of my favorite new names in the NFL is going to be taking over as the Lions play caller beginning with the game this week against the Kansas City Chiefs. But again, Jim Caldwell made some sweeping changes, and that was just hours before the team boarded their flight to London. So we're definitely talking about the hot seat for Jim Caldwell, depending on the outcome of the game. He could be another guy that does not come home to a job when they uh, come back from the Motor City on their bye week after the game against London. Uh, one more point, Mark, in regards to the game. Let's not forget that the non-division games in London now have gone 6-1 and one to the over in the last four seasons. But before we get to Cincinnati-Pittsburgh, any thoughts uh, on your part in regards to this London game? Well, the London game, I think, is intriguing. Uh, I, when I wrote this up in the in the playbook this week, I was looking at it. Again, once again, we've got two dregs or two losing football teams playing in London, and I think Roger Goodell, I don't know if he plans this in advance or whatnot, but he's, <laughs> <laughs> he kind of sends the games that no one wants to see here over there so that the world can watch them and they get great viewing. It's another masterful promotion job by him. Uh, but, you know, what's worked well here, I think Kansas City may have awoken in that victory they had last week, and, you know, the favorites over there with a better record have done really well. They're 7-1 straight up, uh, or 8-1 straight up, I should say. That would favor the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think all the distraction of what's going on with Detroit here doesn't benefit this football team, especially making these, like you say, sweeping coaching changes going over there with a, a new offensive coordinator that's never been an offensive coordinator in his life. I mean, at any level, he's going to be the offensive coordinator for the Detroit Lions. So I kind of think these all these moves and all this drama, all this soap opera benefits the Kansas City Chiefs. That's my side and take on the London game. Now, Cincinnati-Pittsburgh, big, big battle. For me, it's a clash of a great over team against a great under team this season. We touched on the fact earlier in the show that Pittsburgh was a surprising 1-6 and six over under on the season. The Steelers' average line, 45.9, and the average score, 41.3. On the other hand, you've got a very, very good Cincinnati offense, 5-1 and one over under for Cincinnati on the season. They're one of just a few teams averaging more than 30 points per game. Average line in Cincinnati games, 44.7. An average score, 50.7. So the average Bengal game has gone over the total by almost a full touchdown at plus 6.0. And in fact, they are on a current perfect four-game over streak in their last four games. Cincinnati opened up as a three-point road favorite. It's down to about one and a half as we record our podcast here. So it looks like uh, initial uh, money coming in on Pittsburgh in this particular game. And that's probably because we're, we're probably going to see Ben Roethlisberger back from his injury. First game in a month, uh, five weeks. It's going to be good to see him back in the game. The over-under line at a pretty high number here of 48 and a half points. This particular series has gone two and five to the under in the last seven meetings. Average line, 44.4. Average score, 41.8. So based on the, the point spread of the game and the over-under line in the game, the average predicted score is Cincinnati 25, Pittsburgh 23.5. I see uh, maybe slightly more points than that, maybe one of these. 27-26 games or 28-27 type games. Uh, NFL unbeaten teams, we got to head into the database and take a look at what un undefeated teams do in terms of a over-under perspective. And how about this one here? Undefeated favorites who come in off their bye week, like Cincinnati and actually like two other teams coming in off their bye week, 
this week, have gone nine and one over under since the 2007 season when the over under line is less than 51 points. So that nine and one, 90% over situation applies not just to Cincinnati this week against Pittsburgh, but also in the Denver Green Bay game as well. Pittsburgh uh, is going to be at home here for not one, not two, but actually three consecutive home games in a row. NFL teams playing the first of three straight home games against a division opponent in the last three seasons have gone a perfect 8-0 and to the over when the over-under line is 49 or less points. That applies to the Pittsburgh Steelers this particular week. If both teams were in mid-season form at full strength, I would automatically say this is a great overplay, Mark. But this is going to be Roethlisberger's first game back. Is it going to take him time to shake off some rust? Who knows? What we do know is that both teams have fantastic playmakers on offense. And as of this point, we'll lean to a slightly higher scoring game and call it an opinion on the over. Victor leans to the over in this Cincinnati-Pittsburgh game with a great stat on rested, undefeated team supporting that take in the football contest. He'll lean to the over total when the Bengals take on the Steelers this Sunday. Cincinnati comes into the game 6-0 to start the season for the first time ever in their franchise history. It's a football program or team here that is playing with triple revenge. Pittsburgh has taken this team out each of the last three meetings in a row. That's normally good news for division teams, and I like to play teams like that when they're underdogs, maybe not so perhaps much as favorites, as Cincinnati is the small favorite in this contest as we do the show on Wednesday morning here. But Cincinnati, when they've had triple revenge exact in division games, is just 1-8 and eight to the spread. They haven't really stepped up and responded that particular role. They are playing, as Victor mentioned, with the week of rest. And 5-0 and are greater teams that are playing with the week of rest in the National Football League inside that same database are 15-5 and to the spread, a role that supports the Cincinnati Bengals in this particular football game so long as they remain the favorite. I don't know if they will when once the confirmation of Ben Roethlisberger playing is out there. And I think by game time, we're going to see this game closer to pick uh, or even Pittsburgh, a small one, one or two-point favorite in the game. Pittsburgh comes into the contest here, 3-0 and to the spread the last three games in the series as a result of those triple revenge exact situation plays that I mentioned about Cincinnati here. They've also cashed in four of the last five times they've played host to Cincinnati here. Pittsburgh 10-2 and straight up into the spread at home when they're playing off a double-digit loss. You're talking about a Pittsburgh Steelers football team here that's 4-3 and three on the season, looking up at 6-0 and Cincinnati in the division standings. And we've seen this so many times before in the past when Pittsburgh is trailing in the division. They're playing at home against the, the team they're trailing, and Ben Roethlisberger stands up and delivers the goods. If he's back as healthy as promised in this football game, I will be on the Pittsburgh Steelers. If for any reason he's not, I will not. I'll sit back and watch the football game. But with Roethlisberger in the lineup, my play in this football game will be on the Pittsburgh Steelers. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And with that, it's time to hop out to Las Vegas and visit with our good friend Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com. Andy, I know it's quite a hectic week for you in Las Vegas this week with the NBA starting, National Football League, and college football well underway and the world series going on as well it's great really a wonderful place to be if you're a sports lover in las vegas 
Yeah, as we talked about a few weeks ago, October may be the most enjoyable of all the months of the year to be here in Las Vegas. And you really have all four major league sports going, including the NHL, which has been underway for the better part of the month. And, of course, the World Series getting underway on Tuesday night, an exciting time as well. But, of course, our focus is on the college and pro football seasons. Rapidly approaching, in fact, in some instances, already passing the midseason point, And that's when the games really start to get more meaningful. You know, you mentioned about uh, the National Hockey League, and I just want to throw this little comment out here that uh, last night uh, I was visiting, I was talking with my son, and uh, he was mentioning about uh, the Dan Patrick show and uh, how he had lined up all four commissioners, uh, or all three commissioners, I should say, from the National Football League, Major League Baseball, and the NBA to be guests on his show. My comment to him was, I wonder how Gary Bettman feels not getting the invite uh, as the commissioner of the National Hockey League. That poor hockey league always kind of takes... Under the uh, under the radar, behind the uh, scenes, if you will, between the three big networks. And uh, Andy, word is that the Las Vegas is likely to land a National Hockey League franchise here. Any word that you've heard around the streets in Las Vegas about that happening? Well, that, that's- been the word for really about the past three four months no announcement was made uh, at uh, some league meetings at the end of september there is some thought that there will be an announcement made perhaps either by the end of the year or sometime in january but the expectation is that las vegas will get one of two expansion franchises with play to begin in the 2017-18 season well, that'll make it nice for me when I come to Vegas because I'll try and make my trip around the National Hockey League game. I'm a big fan of the NHL, and while I don't handicap the game, I love it as a as a purist. Uh, just love the game as a kid growing up, and uh, I'll certainly love to attend a game or two in Las Vegas if and when that happens. And Andy, I know we visit with you regularly to find out what's happening in Las Vegas as far as the Superbook contest goes, and we're getting deeper and deeper into the stage of the Superbook contest. And right now, what's the update? Uh, are we looking, is it still a closed bunch here? I'm going to imagine it was, and my other guess is also that it was probably a pretty rough week. Uh, I don't think you found too many 5-0 and tickets on the card from the contestants last week. Now, the, the field itself is starting to spread out a little bit. The number of contenders uh, with outstanding records is dropping a little bit, although the leader in the contest is still hitting the equivalent of 81.4%. 28 wins, 6 losses, 1 push. That's 28.5 points, and that's the way the contest is determined. Not necessarily percentage, uh, but the number of points, getting a, a full point for a win, a half point for a push. So the current leader at 28.5 points actually actually has a point-and-a-half lead over the second-place team. Actually, four teams tied with uh, – four entries tied with 27 points. All the way down to uh, 72 contestants now in the money. They pay the top 50. 49 of them are clear. 23 contestants are tied for the 50th and final paying spot. And in order to be in that group, you need to have currently 23 and a half points. As far as the consensus plays have gone over the past uh, few weeks, it's dropped considerably. If you could recall, in weeks one through four, the the consensus rather was on fire, going 15 and five against the spread, making those five picks per week. Over the last three weeks, weeks five, six, and seven, the consensus just six, seven, and two. So for the year, still a very impressive 21, 12, and two ATS for the top 
uh, five picks each week. This past week, we saw the top two picks, decidedly one-sided picks, uh, split. The Jets plus nine in the contest, 854 contestants, nearly half of the 1727 entries were on the Jets plus the points, just 100 on the Patriots. The other big uh, game that was uh, from, a, from a standpoint of number of plays, the Atlanta Falcons in their contest against the Tennessee Titans were laying four and a half. That line went up to about six, six and a half as the uh, game time approached, but the contestants uh, for the deadline, which is Saturday at 11 a.m. Pacific time, they had 779 contestants lay the four and a half with the Atlanta Falcons. Only 122 contestants took the four and a half with Tennessee, and of course Atlanta won that game uh, 10-7, so that was one of the big consensus losers that almost offset the uh, 854 winners uh, who had the uh, New York Jets in their contest. Andy, it sounds to me, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, it seems like every week amongst these top two consensus plays is almost always what we would call a value play. Uh, it's a play where a line has moved considerably, one and a half, two, maybe even three points. And uh, do we find that the leaders in this contest are using these value plays or is the majority of the contestants using them? What's the, uh, the MO, if you will, on these value plays? It seems to be a bit of a mixture, but more and more contestants are using uh, the values. If you go back to our good friend Steve Fezzik, who won this contest not once but twice, and in fact did it in back-to-back years, I want to say it was 2008-2009, he really started popularizing the uh, contest theory of looking for the value where you're using a static line in the contest, let's say Atlanta minus the four and a half, and by the time the deadline for the selections comes due and the anticipation based upon some sharp uh, knowledge of how the, uh, for example, a lot of the offshore books are uh, posting some of these games where they take even larger limits than are available in Las Vegas. To play those games, more often than not, uh, those moves have turned out to be correct. So if you can lay four when the, when the prevailing uh, actual bettable line is six, you're getting an advantage. Likewise, if you can take four and a half when the line is down to a field goal, you're going to do better. You have done better over the course of uh, 85 picks, which uh, comprises a full season's worth of selections. Well, as you mentioned, Steve Fezzik wins the contest two years in a row, so his concept, not only is it popularizing uh, the style of play for players, but uh, the proof is in the pudding, if you will. Fez wins the contest two years in a row, and a lot of that he contends was largely based on value selection plays, not letting those plays slip past him. Before I hand it over to Victor, I know he's got a question he wants to run by you on the show this week, Andy. We talk about those advanced lines that come out, and it's where some of these value plays originate. Uh, Any line moves that you saw from what Jay Cornegay sent out last week that appeared to possibly be some value plays this week. Yeah, it's interesting because when you use the word value plays, you can actually look at it in in two uh, pr- from two perspectives. One is the line in the contest versus the line later in the week as uh, you get close to the deadline for submitting selections. And the other way you can look at it is by looking at these advanced lines and seeing what the adjustments were. Is there value perhaps in relying what the initial line was 10, 12 days before the game? Because in effect, what these uh, adjustments reflect is basically the results of what happened happened last. I'm going to give you the example with the Thursday night game, and then you're you're in a position to determine, was that too much of an overreaction on the part of the Westgate Sportsbook? Might the number that they put up 10 days ago have been the better number? The example is in the Thursday night game, Miami at New England. Now, last week before the Thursday night uh, game started the week of action, New England was projected as a 10.5 point home favorite over the Miami Dolphins. Well, now let's fast forward to Sunday afternoon. Miami looks 
looked very impressive in routing uh, the uh, Houston Texans, 41 nothing at halftime, 44-26 final, somewhat misleading. It was a one-sided game. New England had a rally to come from, the home against, from behind at home against the New York Jets. They ended up getting a 30-23 to win, but it was much tougher than many people expected. So when uh, Jay put the numbers up Sunday afternoon, instead of 10.5 on New England, that line has been adjusted all the way down to 7.5. Now, there has been some early sentiment towards the New England Patriots, and as we speak to you on Wednesday morning, uh, the New England Patriots are up to an 8, in some places, 8.5 point home favor. But there's an example of was there or was there not an overreaction to the results of one Sunday to cause a three-point move in this line uh, from 10.5 down to 7.5. Several other games worth noting, the Kansas City Chiefs originally projected or originally listed as a a 2.5 point favorite in London against Detroit based upon what we saw over the weekend on Sunday afternoon when the lines came back up. Kansas City was on that key number of three. They've since been bet up to a a 4.5 point favorite against Detroit in London. The Atlanta Falcons the other way. Their 10-7 struggle uh, in their game uh, win at Tennessee. They host Tampa Bay, which blew that 24-0 lead at Washington. Atlanta had been a nine-point home favorite uh, when that line came back up again Sunday afternoon. They had been adjusted downwards, only a seven-point home favorite, and there's been no adjustment, no movement in that line. The St. Louis Rams were a five-point home favorite against San Francisco prior to last week's actions. Uh, Following the results of Sunday, actually San Francisco losing uh, 20-3 at home on Thursday. St. Louis with a nice win over Cleveland on Sunday. Uh, St. Louis went back up on the board, opening as a seven-and-a-half-point home favorite, up from the five. They've been bet up to eight-and-a-half. The final one, the Monday night game between Indianapolis and Carolina. Last week, Carolina was a three-and-a-half point home favorite. Of course, we saw Indianapolis on Sunday against New Orleans as a six-point favorite, fall behind 27-nothing. They rallied late to make it 27-21 final with a chance to uh, perhaps tie or win the game. Uh, but uh, the disappointment in the way Indianapolis played compared to what Carolina did later this night, that night with a solid win over visiting Philadelphia, when that line came up on Monday morning, it was now a five-and-a-half point favorite for Carolina up from three and a half. That line has gone further up to six, six and a half. Overview from Andy Isco on the lines that were sent out by Jay Cornegay in the Superbook contest last week, as opposed to what they are right now. Andy publishes the Logical Approach newsletter. And it's a great newsletter you can get from Andy Isco at thelogicalapproach.com. And Andy, once again, if you would, let our listeners know if they want to get in touch with you, how they can email you to contact. Yeah, best way to reach me via email. I'm on email. I use email much more than I do Twitter. And that address, that email address, Logical7, that's L-O-G-I-C-A-L, the number 7, at cox.net. That's C-O-X dot N-E-T. Victor, I know you've got a question you want to run by Andy this week. you probably got two or three of them, but uh, time restraints only limits us to one. What's that one good question you want to run by Andy on the show this week? Mark, you touched on, and I think one of your very first questions to Andy was the potential of an NHL hockey team in Las Vegas. But my only, I want to get Andy's opinion or comment on what's the status of that new Las Vegas arena. It's supposed to be a 20,000-seat indoor arena. Uh, When's it going to open? Have they uh, established the naming rights yet? I'm hearing potential Pacquiao-Mayweather rematch might be one of the first uh, events there. Uh, Perhaps a UFC championship, uh, mixed martial arts. What's going on there with the Las Vegas arena, Andy? 
Well, to be honest, Victor, I haven't been following the situation all that closely other than uh, the expectation that that will be the arena that houses uh, the Las Vegas NHL franchise. Of course, there had been rumors of a Pacquiao-Mayweather uh, rematch, whether or not that's going to occur. Somewhat questionable right now. The arena is scheduled to be opening in the early spring of 2016, and my understanding is right now that the first uh, event to be booked there will be a concert. Unfortunately, I don't recall who the artist performing uh, will be, but I do understand it's going to be a musical event. And Andy, will that arena be a standalone building or will it be part of one of the existing hotel casinos? It will be a standalone building uh, just to the west of uh, New York, New York, uh, on the uh, uh, corner of the Strip and Tropicana. So it sounds like easy access to this new arena. It's going up nicely, very rapidly as well. Everybody's anticipating this new arena to house this National Hockey League franchise and a lot of public concert events that will take place in Las Vegas. Andy, before I let you go, uh, another winning selection on the show last week. Your complimentary play on the football card for our listeners out there, if you will. Well, while most of the uh, college football world is engaged in conference play, two teams take a break from their respective conferences in a uh, late October, October 31st Halloween game, and that's the Houston Cougars uh, from the uh, the American Athletic Conference hosting the Vanderbilt Commodores from the SEC. Uh, Houston is one of a dozen of teams that remain unbeaten in uh, the FBS, and interestingly, as they take a break from AAC action, uh, Memphis and Temple Conference affiliates are two of the other dozen teams that are unbeaten. They get to face a lower-tier SEC team, but a win over any SEC team combined with an earlier win over Louisville from the ACC would greatly enhance Houston's resume with an opportunity to perhaps be that top-ranked non-Power 5 conference team come bowl selection time, and that might carry with it a New Year's Day appearance. If you look at the stats for the season, most places and most sites include all games. As a result, when you look at the Van Vanderbilt stats that shows an average of 18 points per game scored. Very low number, but that also includes a 47-7 win over Austin P, a team from the SBS, rather. I still call it the old one double A. In their six games against FBS foes, Vanderbilt has not yet scored more than 17 points in any game, and that includes two non-SEC games uh, against Western Kentucky and Middle Tennessee. And Houston's dynamic offense averages nearly 300 rushing yards per game and over 250 passing yards per game. That, inclu- that, rather, that excludes their game in which they uh, put up huge stats against uh, another FCC fall that they faced. Vanderbilt might be able to uh, hang tough in the first half of this game as they frustrate uh, the Houston offense, as they frustrated many of the offenses they've uh, faced this year. Uh, they are 11-point underdogs in this game, but I think that ultimately Houston will solve what Vanderbilt is doing, and I look for Houston to get a very very, very comfortable win. Build up that resume with a win over an SEC team, even if it is only lowly Vanderbilt. I just don't see Vanderbilt being able to keep pace with Houston. Houston can actually afford a couple of mistakes and still be able to put up some big numbers as they continue unbeaten. Looking forward to returning next week to American Athletic Conference play. Andy Isco on the Houston Cougars in a big football game for that football franchise when they take on Vanderbilt this week, setting out an excellent point that Vanderbilt has managed to score top 17 points against FBS programs thus far this football season. We'll put Andy down for the Houston Cougars for his complimentary play on the football show this week. Andy, once again, a great job on the show. I'm going to wish you the very best of luck once again this week, and I look forward to visiting with you here on the show next week as well. 
gentlemen, enjoy the weekend. May most of the results go go your way, and let's have some more exciting World Series games. Let's hope it's more uh, treats than tricks this particular Halloween weekend, Andy. Thanks again. We'll talk with you next week. That was Andy Isco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com. Don't you go away when Victor and I come back. We're going to put the final wraps on this show when I share with you my awesome angle of the week and Victor and our complimentary plays when we're back with more here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. The all-new Playbook Cube is hands down the easiest to use sports information app on the market today. Whether it's lines, scores, streaming alerts, newsletter downloads, injuries, or betting tools, the Playbook Cube has it all. To download your Playbook Cube free of charge, simply visit the Apple App Store, the Google Play Store, or the Amazon Store. Find out for yourself why the Playbook app received a five-star rating. Only on the Playbook Cube will you find sports pages covering every NFL and college football team, college and NFL coaches and NFL starting quarterback spread records, power ratings, football newsletters, and much more. That's the Playbook Cube, C-U-B-E. It's where day trading meets sports gaming. Get your cube today and start winning tonight. Hey, sports fans. Football season is here, and it's time to get in on the action. MyBookie.ag is an industry-leading website that offers odds and action on your favorite games. Take advantage of the MyBookie specials before they're gone. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or visit us online at MyBookie.ag to open an account. Pull out your smartphone to sign up with our user-friendly mobile site for on-the-go action. What are you waiting for? Come join mybookie.ag today. Call toll-free at 844-900-2387 or go online to mybookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Only the biggest, only the best, only at mybookie.ag. Sign up today. And now, the moment you've been waiting for. From the hot South Florida sun, it's Mark Lawrence with his awesome awesome angle of the week. All right, guys, let's get to it. Our awesome angle of the week on the football show this week. We go into the world of college football. Our awesome angle is an oldie but goodie from our black book. Bet you didn't know super systems. We call it lean on me. And what we look to do is to play on any college football underdog. That's all back-to-back point spread losses. If they have 17 or more returning starters back from last year's team and they're taking on a 250 or less opponent, that's off a loss. You talk about these football teams that are bringing 17 starters back. They're a little PO'd. The fact that they've lost the money two games in a row, they're taking on a beatable opponent. That's also off a loss. These plays are 24-4 and against the spread since 1990. Our play this week will be on Massachusetts, the Minutemen, for our Lean On Me Awesome Angle play on the show this week. And Victor, if I will, I can hand it off to you for your complimentary play on the football show this week. And once again, I want to remind our listeners out there about the 
totals tip sheet, and the great job is done this season here, 14-7 and seven overall. And, Victor, I, I'm going to mention this for you, that I love when I read the totals tip sheet, what I like learning about it is the new concepts that you're, that you're one step ahead of on, such as the primetime games, the non-conference games, when it all happened before. And it seems to me like in this week's issue here, you called out the fact that these non-division games, uh, that when these teams are playing, before their bye week have been outstanding, and we've got oh, yeah. quite a handful of those games on tap this week as well. It's all inside the totals tip sheet. Absolutely. You know, when, when I write it, I try to take the perspective of the guy that likes betting totals and what he will enjoy reading. And, uh, again, this week's issue, I, I was showing it to my wife last night, and, and I told her, look, I, I, I'm as proud of this thing as – Anything else I do, it's the only newsletter in the country in which it's devoted exclusively to NFL over-under wagering. Uh, thank you uh, very, very much for that, Mark. You know, last week, uh, I think we had a double whammy last week. I think, didn't we talk about the Jets-Patriots as our NFL game of the week? You like the Jets. I like the over. Now, Mark, we're heading into the month of November. This is the month in which we start being thankful about a lot of things. And as we get closer to Thanksgiving, of course, I'm going to be giving thanks for important things, family, friends, health, <laughs> co-workers. But I was thankful last week for two reasons in regards to that Patriots-Jets game. Number one, that the Patriots did not sit on a field goal at the end of the game and instead went for the jugular and went for a touchdown against the Jets with a minute 13 left, Brady to Gronkowski to put the game over the total and for those of us who are on the Jets plus the points of course getting more than the seven in the game I'm also thankful for the fact that they decided to kick a field goal with 18 seconds left and a 10-point deficit a 55-yard field goal I might add by Nick Folk so that Jet backers and over players one individually one is a two-team parlay one is a two-team teaser so I think we hit the double whammy in that game last week this week's play, and it's courtesy of the Totals Tip Sheet, we're going to let Speedy uh, take the lead dog role this week, and man's best friend is going to be going under the total in the Titans versus Texans game. Now, this is a little bit of a weird game in that an over-under line has still not been posted as of Wednesday morning, and I'm sure that uh, number one reason is the fact that both teams are down to their number two quarterbacks, in this case, Hoyer and Mettenberger, not to mention that injury to Arian Foster for the Houston Texans is a devastating, devastating injury for them. I'm going to anticipate a line of 44 to 45 points, and man's best friend is going to be going under the total in this particular game. We note that AFC South division games in which the host is favored and Houston is currently a four-point favorite, have gone one and nine over-under in the last four years when the over-under line is greater than 43 points. Now, here's a weird stat in regards to this game. You talk about being ahead of the curve, Mark. It's week eight of the season, and Tennessee is playing their first road game since week two. They've actually played four consecutive home games in a row, also, they had a bye mixed in there as well, so it's amazing. They have not been on the road since week two of the season. And this is a strong understats. NFL road teams who are off three or more home games in a row have gone three and 21 in the last three seasons when the over-under line is less than 53 points 
And in fact, in the last year and a half, these games have gone a perfect 0 and 8 over under. Now, I'm certainly aware, and Andy touched on it in the segment with Mr. Isco, is that Houston just allowed Miami to erupt for 44 points last Sunday. We're well aware of that. Uh, NFL division home teams who allowed 40 or greater points on the road in their last game have gone two and 11 over under in the last three seasons when the over under line is 51 or less points. <clears throat> and on the flip side, you do got a pretty strong, surprising Tennessee defense. They're in fact ranked number five in the entire league. They allowed only 10 points last week at home against a pretty powerful Atlanta offense. So when we combine the two together, we get one and eight over under since the 2008 season. The home favorites of less than a touchdown who allowed 40 or more last week, like Houston, against an opponent who allowed 10 or less last week with Tennessee when the over under line is 45 or less points. And uh, for over under streaks, we are also certainly aware that Houston's off not one, not two, not three, but Houston has gone over the total in four consecutive games in a row. I know that we've been on Houston overs twice in that time span. That's actually a good sign for an under, according to the database. Once again, in the last three years, all home favorites of four or more overs in a row have gone a perfect 0 and 10 over under in the last three years. Again, when the over under line is less than 52 points, they haven't posted a line yet, Mark, but whatever they post, we're going under Tennessee versus Houston Titans versus Texans courtesy of speedy and we've got one nfl play that i like this week a lot we're going to be using it as our four star over of the week it'll be posted at the playbook.com website on friday evening victor king from king creole sports you can score with all of his winning selections online at playbook.com this weekend he goes under the total in the tennessee houston game with that great three and 21 stat inside the football game as well before I get to my complimentary play on the show this week, I want to remind our listeners out there that I've got another $99 football weekend of winners on tap this weekend featuring my NFL Game of the Month. And we've had an outstanding run in the National Football League the last two years. Our late phone football service documented 36-13 and 13 overall on our NFL plays the past two seasons here. It'll be our NFL Game of the Month. It's all part of another $99 football weekend of winners. When you join me this weekend, all you need to do is log on to the website at playbook.com, enter the store to click on to sign up for the $99 football weekend of winners, or call our office toll-free for fast, friendly customer service at 1-800-321-7777. My complimentary play on the football card this week inside the Pac-12 Conference. We're going to stay at home with the Red Hot Washington State Cougars when they play host to the Red Hot Stanford Cardinal in this football game, a matchup of two teams that are both hitting on all cylinders right now as we speak at the moment. Washington State, 5-2 and two straight up and, and in the stats this football season. This is a role that Mike Leach has relished in the past, that being an underdog in revenge games. He'll be in both of those roles this particular week against this Red Hot Stanford football team that is on a 6-0 and straight up and point spread run their last six football games and according to our database that's a no-no for football teams that are conference road favorites in this particular role going out carrying the weight of this huge 6-0 straight up an ATS skiing on the road 
it also adds value to the play because these teams end up getting packed the line. They end up being favored more than they sh- would have or could have or should have been because of this particular streak. With Stanford just 1-4 and four on the road the last five times when taking the road off back-to-back home games, I'll grab up the points with Washington State for my complimentary play in the college football card this week. And that's going to put the final wraps on this edition of Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. I want to thank our co-host Victor King from King Creole Sports, our good friend Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas, and our good friend Jack Reynolds, who we know is listening from above. Until next week, once again, this is Mark Lawrence reminding you to always to remember to bet with your head, not over it, and good luck as always.